Hi, this is David Michelini. I wrote The Amazing Spider-Man, and you're listening to Amazing Spider Talk. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle I'll be in 1962, last Wednesday's afternoon They'll bend your ears with reckless self-abandon The Amazing Spider-Talk The Amazing Spider-Talk Come swing through the air Sit back and prepare For the Amazing Spider-Talk Hello and welcome to The Amazing Spider-Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan and I'm the editor and founder of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Yes, and I'm Mark Chinacchio, the founder of the Chasing Amazing blog and currently an editor and contributor at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And Dan, I feel after last time, uh, I'm a little less congested, so uh, I'm ready ready to podcast. Yeah, and, and you went through a real marathon of an episode last time. Oh, boy. That was, that was you know, it's like, like coming back. You know, it was like me running a half marathon after having a chest cold and then doing a recording of a podcast that was extra long. It was a great weekend, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it added extra days to my cold. I'm, but sure, we're good I'm now. sure it did, yeah. We're, we're good now. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, everybody, for joining us for what is our second episode of our coverage of Volume 4 of Amazing Spider-Man. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Yes, and as part of that bigger picture, we're going to be discussing Amazing Spider-Man Volume 4, Number 2 by Dan Slott and Giuseppe Comancoli. And then we'll review your uh, comments and emails, uh, of which there are many this time around, which is exciting. That's good when you guys write in. Yeah, we love our emails, so keep them coming, everybody. Uh, Mark, you know, we had our last episode review episode two weeks ago and then we had that awesome interview with christos gage if i don't say so myself yeah pat yourself on the back just don't throw out your rotator cuff okay (laughs) i'm really excited to uh to be back you know to our regular schedule here we're gonna have an essentials episode next but i did want to say that uh i'm really excited to talk about this issue and i think listeners to our show can guess why if they've read the issue (laughs) um and if not i suggest you go back and listen to our interview with joe kelly and our second Essentials podcast, because we're probably going to be talking about that particular story, I won't say what it is yet, in this review. So uh, I'm pretty giddy about this, Mark. Let's get right into it. Grande controle da Mejortão Grande controle da Mejortão Fique certo quanto a posição do sol Well, okay, Dan. So um, after basically turning the Spider-Man world on its ear uh, two weeks ago with its first issue, this volume four, um, not that I think any of us suspected that um, anybody was going to be backing off of this this status quo after one issue, but I, I definitely feel like uh, in issue two uh, there was a lot of doubling down, just kind of a broader context of just how different this world is for Peter Parker. Uh, you know, there was talk about 
Peter having names on the side of buildings, uh, hundreds or was it thousands of them? I mean, you know, it's like this is this success is real and I guess it's spectacular, huh? Yeah, well, we've got Donald Trump, Peter Parker, <laughs> I guess. Um, I, I do want to say, though, I'm really glad reading this issue that we got all that exposition out in the first issue because it really feels like we just got right into our next story here without having to go through all of the, like, these are all the setups. And, of course, there's some of that still. Uh, we got a lot of new things for Peter here. But um, it kind of went right back into kind of generic uh, you know, superhero fighting stuff that we're used to from any number of superhero comics. So, you know, as new as this issue is, it kind of felt like old hat, normal superheroics. Um, and that was kind of refreshing, I got to say. Yeah, although, I mean, and, and and we can obviously get into this as we dive a, t- a touch deeper here. No no pun intended on the underwater theme of this issue. But, um, you know, it... it I agree with you. It's just, are, are these super heroic Spider-Man super heroics? And I think that, that is the question that, you know, at least for me, I, I, I keep coming back to every time I, um, I, I look at this issue and think about what happened. But, um, but then there are things that are very Spider-Man slash Peter Parker. I mean, you know, you know, kind of the theme through 700 plus issues of Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man has always been this idea of Peter finding the balance between, you know, his social life, his personal life, going to school, being a superhero, being a photographer, working in a lab, working in a high school. And, and now it's, you know, the, the, it's like the responsibility is there and it's even bigger because he's, he's in charge of this, you know, Fortune 500 mega company. And, 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 and he still, he still has to kind of, couch his time out in, in you know carefully and, and incrementally and and hide his identity and hide Hobie's identity i mean it's this is this, these are spider-man problems right yeah i completely agree uh you know he's kind of beholden to i guess i don't know if they're his stockholders but uh the kind of like heads of his company and uh and that's an interesting interplay although i am curious will this peter parker have a social life i imagine so but uh, I can't even imagine this guy like hanging out with MJ or uh, any of his supporting cast anymore. And this marks two issues in a row that we haven't seen Aunt May or J. Jonah Jameson. So, I mean, who knows? Uh, Dan Slott was quick to forego um, Mary Jane during the Superior era. You know, are we going to see any of these recurring characters again? Right. Yeah. I mean, and. You know, I think there was a lot of speculation, especially when like the the Alex Ross art for the first issue came out. You know, would 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 Peter kind of be like, you know, with all these women and stuff like that? And then of course there was the the the, the weird exchange in the first issue. Um, but you know, like so far that really doesn't seem to be a core part of what's going on here. I mean, at least through two issues. I mean, would you agree with that? I mean, like this is this, romance is not high on the priority list. It doesn't seem. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's a key part of his life, and it makes me wonder if we're going to get a philandering Peter Parker or if that's what we're already at right now. But either way, I, I agree with you, Mark. I think the responsibility angle was hit upon strongly enough here that I'm willing to kind of accept it as, as, a, as a Peter Parker story. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just Peter Parker with some very loose... And adaptations and interpretations, I guess. I don't know sure, how else to sure, put it. Sure. Um, but um, you know, we 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 kind of dive right in, and again, I'm making those those puns uh, into the action here. With you know, Peter's going fishing. Um, so uh, this this book was very punny, wasn't it? 
This might be the punniest Spider-Man book I've ever read. And, and considering this is in the Dan Slott era, that's saying a lot because his, his books tend to be punny. Well, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, we were talking – just talking about whether or not this is a Spider-Man book or not. And I don't – I think you and I – we've talked about this several times on the show that we don't necessarily like think that Dan Slott's interpretation of Peter Parker's humor is the same as our interpretation of it. Um, and so I think for people that think Spider-Man is a very like jokey, punny character as he's been kind of portrayed over the past couple of years, we'll see this as like an additional reason for why this is a Spider-Man comic. Yes. Um, I don't know that I agree with that. Um, but I mean certainly under Dan Slott's pen, it does read as a Peter Parker character as penned by Dan Slott. Yeah. I mean there's, there's a little less – childishness i feel like a little more maturity in in how he does it but i mean the, the jokes are fine and, and and you know i mean just to kind of speak to the broader book here i mean i i felt like this book the the jokes were kind of coming from all angles i mean you know we we had henchmen making funny lines in this book i mean there was just a lot a lot of banter a lot of quipping um you know it could get a little tiring but i i enjoyed it there was nothing in there where i was like oh that's really grown worthy I, I enjoyed it more than you know we talked about in the first issue the uh what was it? Uh, whose nipples? Uh, was it um, the Craven's nipples? Yeah, they Craven's wanted, nipples. Yeah. The Craven's uh, nipples want their mask back or something like that. Yeah, yeah. like I kind of groaned at that one. I didn't find anything too groan worthy here. Yeah, I liked most of the stuff in this. I thought maybe the Ron and Hermione thing. I, I always kind of bulk at like pop culture references, and that's not something that's new to Spider-Man comics. Like ever since they were debuting. Like back in the 60s, they made pop culture references that have since then become incredibly dated. Right. Uh, so I don't think it's something that's new to the comic, but it's not something I've ever really liked in the comic because it does kind of date it. Right, right. Well, you know, I, 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 I hear you. It doesn't bother me as much. I mean, you know, I think everything dates it. I mean, you know, like we're talking about what 11 years in the in the history of these characters technically passing and you know obviously things like cell phones and and other electronic uh, par- webware <laughs> i i mean you know like 11 years ago those those you know what i'm trying to say it's just, it's it's t- t- everything is dated when it comes to a a, a serial series like this but I, I will say in terms of jokes, and you just mentioned Webware, I was really glad that this comic acknowledged how unremarkable Webware is, like by calling it an iWatch, because that's something we talked about on our last review episode was, right. doesn't this already exist? And uh, they made fun of that here. And yet, I mean, again, and this kind of comes back to one of my, my issues with, with this series thus far. I mean, you know, we, we, we are just kind of being told to accept the fact that Parker Industries is this, like, smashing success. And, I mean, unless this is all, we're all going to find out this is in some child snow globe happening right now. I, I, I don't, it doesn't seem to be much effort being put forward to explain exactly how this happened. I mean, you know, to have your name on, to have, you know, to go from having no buildings because the, you know, the ghost sabotaged it to having your name across hundreds in the span of eight months seems a little far-fetched for me. And, and you know, yes, suspension of disbelief, it's superhero comics. But, um, you know, I think at some point, I don't know, don't you think we, we, we were kind of owed some kind of explanation as to how this all happened? Yeah, I hope so. I hope we get that. Um, I wonder if he's just using these initial issues to d- jump 
to dive right in. God, I'm going to kill this yeah. pun. But uh, consider that pun dead. But yes, uh, yes, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, but I, at this point, maybe they're thinking looking back will only slow down the pace right now. So let's just get people hooked, and then we'll start to reveal what's going on. Um, yeah. I mean, and, you and, get a little bit of these flashbacks here and there, uh, which we'll talk about in a bit, I guess. But, um, yeah, you kind of get, like, how he developed the tech in the most superficial way. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I'll get to that when we, when we start talking about it. But there, I had some issues in kind of how that, that narrative was constructed. But, um, hey, let's, let's talk about some new doodads because, I mean, that kind of seems to be uh, a big feature of this book. We have the, the hydro, hydro spider. Am I, am, I, am I getting this one right? This underwater apparatus that has hologram technology that can make it look like a humpback whale. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was just going to be the spider mobile again, just its right. water version. But, yeah, it's a whole other thing. Um, Which begs the question. I mean, you know, everyone was making the, the – Iron Man analogies. I mean, is 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 this new Spider Man actually Batman? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, Common Coley is the guy to draw this, and uh, and I think he should draw Batman. And yeah, I, I, this is a Batman book. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, like the, the, there was. I mean, yes, the the Tony and Rhodey analogies also apply with all the banter between Peter and Hobie. But I mean, I guess you could also. I mean, this is this is Hobie Brown is is the first truly official sidekick I think in Spider-Man's life. Like not, not, I mean, we, we, we don't count alpha cause alpha didn't exist. No offense to Josh Fialikoff. This is like Batman Robin territory. Don't you think? Absolutely. And just as jokey. Yeah. I mean like, and, and you know, it's funny. I mean, not to go back to the Iron Man stuff, but like, you know, the way they were kind of like ribbing each other in the water. I mean, maybe maybe i'm just projecting too much dan but like i mean i almost like heard robert downey jr and don Cheadle in my head kind of like saying these lines back and forth like that was kind of the level of of banter like very very quick and like you know hobie kind of putting down peter down and then peter kind of getting 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 one over on him and being a little smug about it 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 felt very mcu marvel cinematic universe right yeah i completely agree and i think at this point it's not a mistake you know what I mean? Like Dan Slott has to know what he's doing, drawing these parallels. It's too precise. Too on the nose. Yeah. It has to be intentional. Yeah. Um, I, but... have to, I have to say, Mark, as soon as they said, I'm going fishing, I turned the page and you know the, I saw the watercraft or the hydro spider. I thought immediately, maybe he'll find Rhino. And uh, I guess I was more right than I could have possibly known. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, I got to be honest. I mean. I have not thought about ends of the earth in a while. And, and I, I, you know, I actually kind of enjoyed in a weird way that it went back there because I think I have not been thinking about it. And, you know, we were, we were not on the air when ends of the earth was on, but I think we, we've both kind of expressed our disappointment in it over the years. You know, I, I, again, kind of volleying the ball back into this territory of, is this a Spider-Man book or not? I mean, like, I, I, I do appreciate the fact that, while this is a very dramatic status quo, it's it's still very – it acknowledges its own history, especially its recent history under slot which, and, and pre-superior history, which I feel like there hasn't been much of even in the third volume, right? Yeah, absolutely none. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, the, the, we we had issues. I mean, you know, it seemed like the third volume was like, you know, oh, I'm Peter, I'm back, and the Black Cat's bad, and now we're we're in the multiverse, and now Parker Industries is done, and that's the series. You know what I mean? Like there was, you know, we didn't even deal with the fallout from Superior all that much, and not not to mention all the crap that happened before superior like ends of the earth and and the gauntlet and big time and uh, you know like and, and it seems like we're we're dealing with that again finally yeah i am excited i i i don't want to say that like someone's been listening to us because i don't think that's the case but like no. I, there there are moments where i'm like okay like this is really kind of what i wanted maybe not the way i wanted it but like it's refreshing to see this stuff come back and uh Anyway, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. Right, uh, right. Let's, well, well, let's talk about the Zodiac as a villain. Can we talk about them? Absolutely. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, you know, I, I had said in the last episode, Dan, that I was like, hey, you know, like, hey, this is the Zodiac. They're shield villains. I mean, but hey, let's 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 see what we can do. And I have to say that, you know, unfortunately, I feel like the Zodiac was kind of a, I mean, they're, they're, they're funny characters, but I mean... I, you know, outside of kind of like the leaders, which are kind of ridiculously dressed as, you know, different signs of the Zodiac. I got to tell uh, you, I love cancer. Who is yeah, this guy? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, like, and, and I mean, like, you know, like the the joking about the Aquarius base being inappropriately named. I mean, it's not it's I, I'm enjoying it. But like this also feels very low stakes. Don't you don't you think like like I, I, I'm, there's no there's no peril here for Spider-Man and, and Hobie here. Absolutely not. Uh, uh, yeah, you know what? It's funny. Uh, you wrote in your review that not every, um, not every issue can be Spider-Man lifting rubble over his head. And as soon as they went underwater, I started thinking about that again too. I was like, are they going to do a master planner thing here and like show just how much more prepared he is? We don't even get to that point because Spider-Man is so on top of these guys and can kick their butts so thoroughly yeah, there's no tension, and that's that's aided by just how much tech he has. And I worry about that for this series. Is he going to be? Because I feel like there was some of that during Superior and during vol, Volume One or whatever you want to call it uh, during Slot's big time run, where mm. he was developing this tech, and it would just be like, "Oh yeah, I made the blank device," which is true to Spider-Man. He did make an anti-magnet device. But I don't think he's ever – even when he's invented things, it's always been a bit of a gamble. Here it's like uh, – it's weird how it's it's staged. Like he'll get shot by someone and then it will be like, well, I have this armor that I invented. And so anytime he's in trouble, you think, well, he's just going to reveal how he's come up with some device to stop it. Yeah, I mean, and they even make notice such like, oh, I'm not making like twenty dollar tracking devices anymore. You know, this is this is this is this is big stuff. And and you know, like, you know, kind of to play to what you're saying about having this issue during the Superior Era. I mean, like, there there was also like, you know, not to jump ahead a little bit, but you know, with with this um, with the with the MacGuffin they're tracking down here, the uh, um, you know, like. It it, it it looks like they've been quote defeated, you know that 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 they've been able to that that the Zodiac's been able to hack into the technology and everything, and then it's like, oh no, that's what we wanted to do all along. Now we can now we can we, the way I encrypted it, I can do that, and it's like, you know, there's got to be a happy medium between like impetuous, like you know, flying into a situation, you know, butt first, Peter Parker that we kind of got in Volume Three, and then like you know this very Otto esque like playing chess while everyone else plays checkers version of Spider-Man because that doesn't, that feels foreign to me too. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. And another thing that it does is really removes us from Peter's headspace. You know, that was fine when it was auto. It, it kind of felt like you never knew what was going to happen in any moment because you aren't really re- reading Otto is a character. He's a mystery to us. And, and yeah. even then we get sometimes got a view into his head. But like here when Peter does something like that, I feel kind of like alienated from him as a character because even I don't know what he's up to. Yeah, I mean it's it's I mean we're we're dealing with a successful Spider-Man now, so obviously, I mean, he has to project success, but yeah, this 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 like I said, the the whole conflict of this just felt very foreign to me. I mean, between between the the kind of the facelessness of the villain, uh the lack of stakes, the lack of peril, and then just the fact that yeah, you know, he's got a device for everything and then even when it looks like he failed, it actually turns out that he didn't. And and, and that just seems um, that doesn't seem like I, I, I as much as I'm enjoying all the other elements of this Spider-Man, I don't know from a superhero standpoint how much of that Spider-Man I would want to read, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. I, I will say I, and I hope this is what Dan Slott is doing is um, when I think it's a, a Aquarius or I can't even remember which Zodiac it is um, when he gets blasted with water um, and the villain suggest that he his over reliance on his technology uh you know made him short sighted and that mm. the villain was able to get one over on him and I thought okay that's that's an interesting opening in his armor you know like if he is so reliant on this tech stuff that he forgets his street smarts um that could be an interesting way to kind of like show this this Spider-Man failing yeah definitely um just kind of in line with this, but not speaking specifically to this theme, I, I do have to say that, and, and maybe I'm just being kind of dense, but some of these scenes where they're like explaining the the machinations of the tech, uh, I thought they dragged. Like the the, the gobbledygook was was a bit too much for me here. Does that make sense? Uh, Mark, you're still learning how to use your VCR, right? Well, yeah, that's, that's very true. I mean, you know, like I, I, I ran a blog for for three years where, like, you know, if like I hit publish in the posted thing, I would like call up the person who handles my server, and he'd just be like, "Really, this is what you're calling me about?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I'm handling that now. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, am I am I am I being too dense? I mean, do I, do I really need like page a page of text talking about encryptions? No, I I don't I don't think so. But I also don't think it was that much of text about it. But maybe maybe I'm wrong. It, it felt it felt a little draggy to me. That's okay. all I'm gonna say. That's uh, you know, and it's just something to be mindful of. So you know, for us for us noobs out there. Before uh, we move on, I wanted to point out one moment that I found particularly funny. Okay. Uh, which is where Spider-Man and Hobie Brown are crawling on the ceiling and the, they're like out of focus in the background and then they're suddenly in focus and the villain points them out and he's like, am I the only one who sees them crawling on the ceiling? And I think that's hysterical because it's so often done in the comics where they just crawl on the ceiling and no one sees them. And I'm always thinking, does nobody look up? Like does yeah. nobody have vision that extends to the ceiling? Because – I can always see the ceiling wherever I am. Yeah, and you're uh, fighting, and you're fighting Spider-Man. So it's like you know, you look should, up. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, something I did want to bring up here, Dan, in terms of something that I don't remember seeing often as a device in Spider-Man comics, and 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 certainly not in Dan Slott's era. It's like they were kind of like in in interspersed in in the narrative, and I like these. 
these like little flashbacks where like you know like, like that's how we kind of fed off the, the the ends of the earth reference initially and there were other things where you know it, it was kind of like and it was done i felt I, I thought it was executed well in terms of how it was laid out by common coley but it was just like these like little you know like little reflections from peter and and we have not gotten that a lot from this character yeah it was nice and uh i mean we didn't get any floating heads of guilt here uh which we haven't seen in a while Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I like this a lot. I mean, even if ju- just for the simple fact that this character is looking back on its history and acknowledging its existence. And, and I know Gage last episode said that the two of them don't rely on continuity as like a something that should always be followed. Although it's weird, it's been weird how Dan Slott has used continuity. He's been so rigid on some things and so loose on other things. And here I think it's a nice, it, we find a nice balance between the two. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, I always think with Dan Slott, with continuity, I mean, when it comes to character, I think he, he feels more flexible than, I think he thinks characters are more malleable than, than events, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like if a character, you know, I, I remember reading something of his once about like, you know, if he, if he kills a character off, that character is probably going to stay dead. You know, like he's not, you know, like he's not one to bring him back. He's not going to begrudge someone else. But um, if that's Black Cat changes her entire characteristics, that's more malleable. Yeah, I think that's, you know, I think that, that we see character wise, it's it's more malleable. It's like, you know, well, something could have happened that would have changed it. But, you know, ends of the earth happened. We we have to acknowledge that it happened and, you know, things happened because of it. If yeah. that makes sense. Interesting. So speaking of ends of the earth, we have this, I think, probably the most interesting scene in this comic um, is this kind of backup story or I guess you could call it. Like an epilogue. Story. Yeah, an epilogue. There you go. And uh, there's my word. Uh, and uh, something very interesting happens here. Mark, you want to you want to tell us about it? Because uh, you you texted me before I had read this issue, and you said, "Oh my god!" Uh, yeah. And and I was like, "What happened?" Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's funny. It's you know, in bigger picture, I don't know if this is necessarily like the mother of all reveals, but I mean, we've been talking about these comics so much over the last few months that I just, it's kind of crazy that it came back, but yeah, we, 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 we see Rhino or, or I should say Alexi. Um, and I, please don't ask me to say his last name. Uh, um, something like that. I can't even say Sajani right. So, I mean, you know, like don't, don't even, don't even get me there. We did get an email applauding you that you said Sajani right. Well, I know, but I'll, I'll say it wrong again tomorrow. So, uh, (laughs) um, but anyway, so we see Alexi, Alexis and, um, you know, it's kind of, it's funny. We're we're kind of seeing him, how we saw him during those gauntlet stories, Dan, where, you know, he's out of, he's out of the game. And, And now of course, Rhino is allegedly dead at the end of ends of the earth, him along with silver sable. Um, so of course that does beg the question. So where's silver sable, you know, Alexi, Alexi kind of seemed, you know, I, I'm not doing this anymore. Don't ask me. You know, some a mysterious stranger comes up to him. I, you know, I, I have something I want you to do for me. And no, no, no. Well, then I got something for you. And who comes out but Oksana, Alexis, uh, Alexis' deceased wife. Yes, who is definitely <laughs> dead. Yeah, she, yeah, she was, she was, she was like Uncle Ben dead. Yeah, I, I, I you know, I didn't. So this was a legitimate surprise, right? Yeah. Now I want to I want to highlight. There's one 
there's a couple things to talk about in this scene, but there's one thing that I thought was really interesting is that the uh, the Rhino embraces her at the end, or you know, Alexi embraces her at the end and gives her this big Rhino hug. Um, but her arms are limp and to her side. She's not hugging him back. And I don't know what that says about her, but I thought it was interesting because, you know, this is her, like, love of her life. You'd think she would be embracing him in the artwork. Um, I wonder if, I mean, it could be shock or something like that, but um, it makes me think that there's something up with this character. I mean, clearly something is up with her because she's not dead or, like, grievously wounded or covered in burns. I mean, she was... She got into a horrible car explosion on the bridge, and the rhino cradled her dead body, as far as I remember. Uh, So, who is this person? I don't know. Are we getting more clones, or... Do you have any theories about this, Mark? Um, On this, no. I I have more theories on maybe the mysterious stranger, but um, on Oksana, I I got nothing. I mean, you know, this could... could be a clone. It could be something, you know, like a, a life model decoy. If chameleon or something. It could be chameleon. Um, I mean, I was only thinking life model decoy because of, you know, we're, we seem to be dealing with the world of shield and shield counterparts like Zodiac and Hydra and stuff like that. So, I mean, who knows? But, um, all right. So talk about this mysterious person whose face we never see and who's wearing a very like decidedly red suit. Yeah, I mean, I, I let me let me start with the larger theory first, and then and then we can can we maybe break down from there? Um, you know, it's it's very interesting. Um, I'm starting to notice a pattern in terms of the ends of these issues so far. We had um, at the end of the first issue, we had the indication that Otto Octavius is 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 his return is is imminent. Then we have Rhino, and it's making me wonder, especially with these. Um, uh, callbacks to ends of the earth. Are we are are we getting the sinister six back together? That's what I thought too. Um, so that makes me think: is the person in the red suit? Is it? I, I honestly, th- I'm I'm deciding between one of two people. It's either to me, it's it might be Mysterio, who I think can probably come back into this world now because of the whole incursion nonsense and of 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 secret wars, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if Miles is here, why can't Mysterio be here? Because uh, that was where Mysterio was last, right? The Ultimate Universe? Yes, yes, he was. And, I mean, as far as we know, he died in the Ultimate Universe. But that, you know, who knows? Maybe he hitched a ride on a helicarrier and jumped his way over. I mean, we also don't know how Secret Wars ends. Exactly. Because um, so, we know that, like, Ultimate Reed Richards is now the Reed Richards in the Marvel Universe, or so we suspect. Right. Well, we'll get there. But, yeah. um, <laughs> um, but then... Um, the other person I was thinking is Norman Osborn. And we're going to do another really lame reveal. Oh, uh, uh, well, yeah. I mean, but, you know, is he, like, you know, getting the six together to strike against Spider-Man? You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of... Sure. I thought that was certainly a possibility. And I thought Mysterio as well. Although, what do you think about the red suit? Because I was really bracking my brain over Spider-Villains that, like, wear red, you know, particularly red. Um, I mean, maybe Craven. He's more of an orange. Um, yeah. Although certainly we haven't seen him in a while, and he was on the original Sinister Six. Craven is not very mastermindy to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, unless you're talking about Spider-Man Blue. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, with you. It, does, it doesn't that. seem craven because he would not definitely not approach them in a suit. I, I, yeah. I wouldn't suspect. I mean, I I would say I mean you know the other the other possibility and uh, I I hope not. It would would Miles Warren slash Jackal. Yeah, and somebody I read online somebody saying Mephisto, but I think that's probably just because of the red. Nah, I don't see that. Um, it's demo goblin. It's definitely going to be demo goblin. Oh please, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, the red is obviously important. You can't can't overlook that detail. But I mean, you it's, know, it's such a weird choice. You know, the the red. Uh, you know, I'm like I said, I'm thinking more in terms of like mastermindish characters, yeah. um, and, and and certainly someone who, you know, would know would know where to find Rhino and would have access to Oksana or a, a version of Oksana. Did, That's why. Did we sorry. get the sense? Did we get the sense that uh, Alexi knew who this person was? Yeah. I definitely got that. I don't think there was too much mystery there. So that's, again, that would like kind of play into Mysterio or, I mean, have, has Rhino and Norman interacted? I'm sure. I mean, Norman's interacted with, I mean, everyone knows who Norman Osborn is. Yeah. Although if he looks like Mason, whatever, you know, lumberjack man with the mustache. Mason Banks, Mason Banks. (laughs) I totally forgot about that character. The less said about Mason Banks, the better. Yes, yes. Any other, anything else on this, Dan? No, I just, I mean, li- listeners, I'm sure you were just as surprised as I was, but what a pleasure to, like, see a story that I've literally been talking about for the past couple months just reappear in a big way. So that was really, I, I'm worried, like, because I love that story so much. I mean, nothing will replace that story, but, like, you know, I don't know how much faith I have in Dan Slott doing something with these characters that I feel will honor that original story. But it is interesting that that story has kind of found its way back. There are enough people that care about it and recognize it as an interesting story to do a callback to it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it was, this, this was a legitimate surprise. I mean, whereas I feel like the auto reveal at the end of issue one, we kind of saw coming this one. I did not see coming. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was really pleased by getting that text from you. I was like, okay. cause I could, I couldn't read the book until the stores opened here. And I was like, what could it be? And like, it was more than I thought it would be. There you go. Uh, okay. So there I'm, I'm go. glad I can make your, I'm glad I can make your day. That, yeah, that, that yeah. excites me. I'm glad that you All thought right. of me when you, when you saw that. So, Oh, <laughs> who else would I think of? <laughs> right. Uh, um, so Dan, what's your grade on this? I'm giving this one a B. Uh, I enjoyed this book despite like some of my misgivings. Yeah. I'm in the same boat and it's, and, and this is kind of, yeah, I think this is going to be the theme of volume four for us, Dan, is I think that, yeah, the, 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 there are, pro- there, there are, there are some issues here, but the, the 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 quality and the and and the entertainment value of this book is kind of undeniable right now. I am enjoying this book. Yeah, yeah, and it will see we'll see how long this can last if it doesn't get more, uh, quote unquote, Spider Manny. Uh, right. You know, as time goes on, but um, with all these villains coming back, you know, I think it's probably going to definitely be leaning in that direction a bit more and we've got some green goblin issues coming up soon so you know i think i think we're at least headed in that direction 
And then, and did you see the Alex Ross cover with the Mr. Negative image? That looked beautiful, right? So exciting. I think that's awesome. And I really, I like Mr. Negative. I never think he's been handled right. And I think maybe this could be an interesting way of, uh, of, of approaching the character. So I, that could be really exciting. All righty. All right. So why don't we get to some comments and emails? All right, Dan. So, uh, of course, uh, you can leave a comment for Amazing Spider Talk on iTunes or at Stitcher by searching on Amazing Spider Talk. Uh, and, of course, while you're there and you leave us a comment and a rating, uh, subscribe to the show and uh, just get it delivered directly to your smartphone or, or device every week. Your I webware. Mean, yeah, exactly. Your, your phone, your watch, your webware, or your tablet, whatever. And uh, then you can also email us questions uh, or, or comments at AmazingSpireTalk at gmail.com. And then the other outlet you can nail us at is Twitter, where you can tweet at either Dan or myself and use the hashtag OK to print. Uh, Dan, who's our first comment from? Yeah, we got our first email from uh, Brendan Anderson, who said he really liked uh, the Christos Gage uh, episode that we did last time. So thank you very much. But he said, I particularly liked... The discussion of the process of going from plot, script to art, and then to actual words and dialogue on the page, which is, we all know, uh, doing it the Marvel way, which what Dan Slott does. So he's asking, do you know of any examples or resources online that show a Spider-Man book being made from start to finish? For example, where can you read the initial plot script and then see the pages of art without words and then see the words filled in and then the final product? I think it would be really cool to get a feel for what a story really feels like from inception to completion. So, Mark, I emailed you this question and asked you, do you think that this kind of resource exists online or do you know anything like this? I'm sure it exists somewhere, but I don't know where to find it. So I, I would definitely appeal to our listeners. I mean, if you know where we might be able to find something like this. I mean, I've, I've seen traditional comic book scripts, um, but not, not this kind of Marvel, Marvel House style, so to speak, or Dan Slott style. Um, yeah, so, so few people are doing it now, you know, when you get a script, it's just kind of lucky typically, um, you know, but you can always go to like your conventions and see the artwork there without the words on it and then imagine, I guess. But yeah, I don't, I don't know where I've never seen a plot. That's like a bare bones plot like that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, listeners, if you know, please write in or tweet at us, let us know where we can find it so we can help Brendan out here and anyone else who wants to know, obviously. Yeah, so this this next one's from Matt Strott, and, and Matt had some comments about uh, the current uh, state of Spider-Man, but then he also wanted to thank you, Dan, uh, for turning him on to Brian Michael Bendis. He, uh, Matt brought Invincible Iron Man number one uh, because of your raving about Bendis, and he enjoyed it actually more than Spider-Man. Um, so uh, I guess thanks to you, Dan. I mean, hey, you turned me on to Ultimate Spider-Man and, and Bendis, although I had read other Bendis, and was was hit or miss with it until ultimate and then that kind of turned me on to daredevil bendis and then i never looked back from there yeah and i'm holding off on reading invincible iron man until uh until it comes on marvel unlimited um but uh yeah i'm excited about that book and i think bendis you know when he's good he's really good so um 
I know that's not much of a statement, <laughs> but that's kind of obvious. But like, yeah, I mean, again, I, if you got if you missed out on Ultimate Spider-Man, I can't implore you enough to check it out. And it sounds like Matt is really enjoying Invincible Iron Man, so maybe check that out too, based on Matt's words. All right. So, who's our next question from, Dan? Our next question comes from Dennis Mercier, um, and he says, "A question I've been thinking about a little lately." Uh, if there weren't resurrections in the Marvel Universe, which one character staying deceased would have had the biggest impact on Spidey? So, for example, there would be no clone saga if no- Norman Osborn came back, but there would have been no superior Spider-Man if Doc Ock was still dead. Um, so I-, I thought this was a really interesting question. Mark, do you- who do you think – whose death – let's say whose first death – yeah, yeah. Uh, and non-resurrection would have left the biggest impact on the book if they were not revived. Well, I'm not thinking in terms of superpowered people. I'm thinking Aunt May, uh, and and for many reasons. I mean, I, I well, just in terms of you know, kind of using Dennis's uh, line of thinking here, if Aunt May stayed dead in Amazing Spider-Man number four hundred, there would be no one more day or a brand new day. <laughs> Sure. I mean, they may have found another way to do it, but yeah. Uh, but right, but that, but but you know, like you know, saving because I mean, not for nothing, Dan, and I don't want to get into a dissection of of one more day again. But um, you know, one of the things that's that I think always flummoxed people was like, you know, didn't Aunt May already die? And I, I mean, why 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 would Peter risk his marriage? You know, sacrifice his marriage to save this elderly woman? But you know, like I, I do feel that you know Aunt May kind of. Bringing her back was was I think a wasted a wasted opportunity for a lot of reasons. I think it kind of like allowed a lot of writers to kind of settle into um, some comfort comfort zones and 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 not really do much with the character. I mean, the character was quite stagnant until J. Michael Straczynski came along. I mean, you know, I'm, I've been reading through these Mackie Byrne issues, which. Um, really pick up after May was officially bought back at the end of um, the final chapter uh, and, and uh, what do you call it? The gathering of five. And I mean, you know, like it's like, it's like, you know, party, like it's 1964 again with this character. I mean, there's this, <laughs> this, you know, like this, this, you know, she's making wheat cakes and, you know, getting her hair did with, uh, with uh, what's her name? Uh, Anna Watson. And, and, you know, I think Peter without Aunt May would have been more interesting, especially kind of in those darker story eras of the of the late '90s. And um, not to mention the fact that you know the the J.M. Dimitrius and Mark Bagley story for Amazing Spider-Man 400 was so well executed. You know the the issue where she died that it kind of like now takes that off the table because no one is ever going to match the the emotional tenor of that issue so it's like you know not only not only can you not not only this to bring me back like really to kind of like i feel screw up the universe but you, you, like now now you can't undo it so now you just have this elderly character that's just gonna live forever i guess <laughs> <laughs> uh dan what about you well, uh, you know, I think the next obvious choice is Norman Osborn, but it also really depends on what you consider like death and resurrection. I mean, like I could say Peter Parker uh, would have really uh, changed the book because he did die and was resurrected. So, Look at you, Mister Technicality. Yeah, but but I mean, we're talking technicalities here. You know, that would have been huge if Peter just died during the other. 
Um, and, uh, you know, Mary Jane in her airplane explosion flight. Like, there was a period of time where we thought perhaps she was dead. Only for her to have her come back and not be dead. I don't know if that counts as a resurrection. But want a separation. Right, right. Uh, so, yes. I, I, was, I was thinking while I was dead, we should get separated. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I guess following these rules and not saying Peter Parker, which, okay, he died. Let's just get it, get it out there. He did die. It would be Norman Osborn. Um, and I think there was, I mean, there was, there was what? Uh, 20, 30 years where Norman Osborn was dead for quite a while, and I think the stories following Harry were as good if bet not better than any Norman Osborn story. Br- bringing Harry back is certainly interesting, but I don't think they've done much with that really. Um, so um, right. maybe, maybe I, the person in red is Harry Osborn. Uh, there you go. But uh, – uh, yeah, uh, Norman Osborn has had a real impact on, on Spider-Man's life post coming back. And it was handled, I thought, pretty well. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, it was very 90, 90s eyes, but I, I, I've always enjoyed that story. And, and I think you could also make the point that bringing back Norman kind of opened the door to bring back Harry. And, and you know, again, we whether it's questionable or not, I think, like, you know, if you never bring Norman back, I don't think Harry comes back. You know, like, I mean... That's just, that's just my two cents. Yeah, sure. Uh, but if you want my actual answer, it's Peter Parker dying. If he didn't okay. come back, it would be a really different book. Okay. You made your point. <laughs> so this is from uh, Laron Halleck, and, and, and Laron asks, um, well, it's a question about, um, uh, I guess, the, the, the means of our collectors, how do we dis- uh, our, collect- our collections, Dan, and how we display them, how we store them, how we, how we kind of keep inventory on them. Um, I think, Dan, you've always had a more exact system than I have. Um, so, I mean, do you want to in, you know, give the Cliff Notes version of what you do with your collection? Yeah, we've talked about this before, but again, I use SpiderFan to kind of number them and get them in order by date and, um, and, and get them all stored away. Um, I don't, like, seal them or anything other than in, like, bags and boards, which I, I think mine are due for a changing of bags and boards. They have to do that, what, every five years or so? Um, and mine are stored in long boxes, and recently I put them in, like, Tupperware containers that are sealed with tape so that they're kind of airproof, you know? But, uh, yeah, I mean, like you, Mark, you'll probably talk about this, but mine are actually, most of them are at my parents' house because I just recently moved across the country and shipping them with me was difficult. But eventually I'd like to have them out here with me in California um, just because, you know, what's the point of a collection if you can't ever look at it? Um, And then my most valuable ones are in a safe and some of them are in a safety deposit box in the bank. Uh, like my number one through like 20, I think, are in a safety deposit box. Oh, man. You're just like – you're saying things, Dan, that are making me like, ah, oh, crap. I need to do that. <laughs> uh, no, like um, you know, I, I, I've not changed the bags out on, on some of my Bronze Age issues and I know I need to do that and um, I actually have like the Mylar and I just haven't done it yet. Like, yeah, that's the other thing. I, I, I have my first hundred in like the, the, the thick Mylar bags. Um, everything else I kind of have in standard – uh, bags, but I, I, I'm trying. I'm moving more of my collection into Mylar because it lasts longer, and you don't have to change it out, or at least not change it out to like 20 years or something like that. So I, mean, I don't know. I don't know about these Mylar bags. That's new to me. Uh, 
Oh, mylar. It's yeah. You, you, you know, you're like certainly your your stuff that's not like slabbed. And I know you only have one slabbed book, right? Yeah. Yeah, the, the 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 expensive stuff should probably go in mylar. It's like it's 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 a thicker thicker, sturdier plastic. Um, mylar and, sounds to me like a term that was thrown around in the '90s to get you to buy things. Like oh, this one's no, in I, mylar. I mean, I go on the CGC boards and they all swear up and down. That's gonna kind of turn me on to it. So I, I have my first hundred, my first hundred issues, and and a couple of like later key issues, like one twenty one, one twenty two, one twenty nine, um, three hundred in mylar and um and everything else i just kind of have in your standard bag like you know silver bronze age bags but i i, I want to i'm i actually have the the mylar to put my first 300 issues in in them so that's kind of the next way for me and i yeah like you dan i keep it at my parents i don't keep my most expensive ones in a safety deposit box and i need to um my first issue is actually slabs and in a special uh, CGC um, friendly uh, frame, and it's in my apartment, and it's very very high up, so my child can't reach it. Uh, <laughs> and there's not not near any couches or shelves that he could like jump off of to grab it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen it hanging up there. Yeah, I guess you just use Spider Fan to catalog it. Yeah, I, I no. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I know I know I have those issues. I mean, you know, I guess I guess because I don't track all the annuals like some of us do, Dan. That um, um. Yeah, I, I, I do want to send a, a special shout out to our contributor Zeke, um, who uh, on Twitter the other day acknowledged the the it's 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 this month is the anniversary of me completing the chase. Um, but as Zeke put it, this, this month is the anniversary where Chasing Amazing, uh, bought some more comics, but still had more comics to buy. (laughs) I, Uh, I, I did not pay Zeke to say that. (laughs) So, uh. Annuals count, Mark. Annuals count. Yes, very true. So that's, 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 but most, I I don't do the Tupperware. I, I do just, I do just keep them in boxes. Um, but they're in a, you know, cool, dry place, you know, elevated. <laughs> so, you know, no, no, no risk of flooding or, 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 or that, any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mylar, I guess that's my one variation from you. So I can hold that over your head. Let, let me ask you this, Mark, cause it's something I don't think we've discussed on the show is would you ever consider going all digital with your collecting of amazing Spider-Man? Like what at, what, mean- at what point would you go digital? And when they stopped by selling the print, yeah, I, I mean, for amazing, I, I can't. And 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 even with like the other Spider books, it's like, I, I mean, I'm a Marvel Unlimited subscriber, so like, I don't buy any other Marvel books beyond the Spider books in print anymore because I just wait the six months to read it on Marvel Unlimited, and I'm not going to buy like the digital copies when I again can just wait six months and get them not for free, but part of a subscription service. Um, but like, yeah, I, I, I'm just too much of a traditionalist. I've been doing this for, for so long. Why would I, I, I can't abandon it. And, 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 you know, I would cut out all the other books first before I stopped buying amazing Spider-Man in hard copy. I'm the same, I'm the same way. And every time I go to pick one up, I think to myself, this would be a lot easier digitally, but you know, Marvel doesn't let you download PDFs. Or CBR files like Image does with their books on Comicsology, um, 
And so, yeah. I mean, th- though I wonder but, if there will ever be a point where the physical book costs considerably more than the digital version. I don't know, but but I mean, but 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 beyond that, Dan. I mean, we're, we're, we talk about ourselves as being collectors, and it's like you know, how do you collect a digital file? Yeah, I, I, that's exactly how I feel. And but then I always think to myself, like, what does collecting even mean? You know, uh, like that I just have them all, but for what purpose? And then I have this existential crisis about my collecting. But yeah, I'm with you. I'll be buying this book until I can no longer buy it. Um, and that's just me. Although I will say, like, people who aren't, like, collectors, I don't see why people just don't buy it just digitally. It's easier. I think the colors are more vibrant. Um, but I guess there is something to be said about holding a physical copy in your hands. Definitely. All right. So we got this email from Adam Chapman, our final question of the day here. And he asks... Which Spider-Man villain would you be most interested to read a miniseries or solo book them as the pr- protagonist and not counting Doc Ock? Well, we've already got a Norman Osborn book, I guess, that Osborn title that I think was okay. Um, we got Superior Foes, which, I mean, I would count that as like a boomerang book. Is there anybody that we haven't gotten a book for that you would love to read a, a miniseries? I mean, you can go a lot of different directions, and like everything else, of course, it comes down to the creator. But like, here, here's a total wild card, and you know, I doubt this would inspire much interest beyond crazy fans beyond me. But um, how about we have Roger Stern write a Vulture book? Oh yeah, that would be really cool. Uh, I mean, as I say, there's no better writer of the Vulture than. Roger Stern, and I mean, he's admitted that it's his favorite character. Um, and you know, he still he still pops up and writes these stories from time to time. And 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 I mean, that that that's a book I would buy in a heartbeat if that came out. Like I I, I would I I don't know what the premise would be, um, but I would read it. <laughs> I'd love to see a Mysterio book that kind of shows him setting up his traps, and like his thought process that goes through like designing these crazy contraptions that he subjects Spider-Man to. Um, I just think it'd be kind of fun to read like a villain who's essentially like a magician, like doing his craft. I don't know. That just kind of would appeal to me. Do you have a, do you have a creator in mind for it? No, not really. I mean, uh, no, I, I, somebody who just writes kind of like Frank funny writing. Like I, I would love to say like Nick Spencer just because or, or I would even like love a Kevin. I was going to say, even like Kevin Shinnick or something. Yeah, I, I mean, those guys, I think, have been so on fire with everything they've been doing, Spider-Man related or even just anything in comics. Like, I'd love to read them. But, yeah, I mean, there's so many creators that I think could do a really good job with that premise. All right. Well, I, 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 let's, let's do I, – I would read that book, Dan. So, I mean, you know, then again, I kind of read everything related to the Spider-Office, but, uh, you know. Um, yeah we would read it anyway but (laughs) yeah um and just kind of one last thing here not a question or anything but we we do want to extend a huge thank you to uh kevin s ewing for his donation to the show uh we actually haven't talked about the friendly neighborhood spider talk members club for a while uh because we are dramatically redoing our system in a way that i think you will all really like but we'll be announcing those details in a couple of weeks so uh, keep your eyes and ears open right dan yeah, yeah. Just, you know, in the next couple of weeks, we'll be doing a real dramatic redo of that system. And those people who are 
like in the club already. Like you're still getting your digital code, so keep an eye on your email. But um, the rest of you guys and, and those who are already in the club, like get excited because there's something really great coming down the line. But again, thank you, Kevin Ewing, uh, for the for the donation. And the rest of you, I'd say, like, yeah, don't donate to us right now. Like, we love your donations and we love your support of our show. But uh, save your money because you're going to be investing it in something really awesome in the next couple weeks. So uh, I just wanted to say that. All right, Dan. Well, you know, I don't even know what it is. No, I, I know what it is. But <laughs> uh, but why don't you take us home, Dan? Yeah, well, of course, you can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk. We're at 90 episodes, Mark, uh, including our Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcast. That's 90 of them. Can you believe it? Yeah, we really got to start thinking to uh, 10 ahead, Dan, because... <laughs> Like, I, like uh, hearing you say that, it's kind of like you talking about the, uh, you know, rebagging the comics and putting them in a safety deposit box. It's like, oh, my God, we're going to do something for 100. Uh. Uh, <laughs> well, of course, if you want to listen to those 90 episodes, you should do it in a weekend. Just listen to all 90. I don't oh, even God. think that's possible. It's not possible. No, not. Not the way we talk lately. Although, although I'd be curious. There, I'm sure there are listeners that listen to us at, like, double speed. So maybe that's possible. Um, this is all to say that you can listen to all of them at superiorspidertalk.com or find us on iTunes and Stitcher by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. Yeah, and also check our Facebook pages because those are pretty cool places to join our community and uh, find out about our writing and, you know, find out what we sound like in double time. <laughs> and if you want to follow the adventures of Spider-Gwen and Miles Morales, which you definitely should do, although it seems that Miles Morales has been delayed to like January when we're going to get that book. Uh, but be sure to subscribe to our sister podcast, The Ultimate Spin, hosted by the international cast, Brian, Kyle, and Noor. And as always, our theme song is courtesy of Ryland Bojack, and our outro song comes from Magic. And a special thanks to Nick Cagnetti, Ray Sumzer, Ron Friends, and Sal Buscema for our show's artwork. Next week, we've got our next Essentials podcast, finally, I know. Uh, hopefully, we're now back on our normal schedule of the show. So if you didn't already know, we're going to be covering Mark's pick. Mark, what pick uh, is it for next week's show? Yeah, well, just to, just to prove that annuals do count, Dan, uh, <laughs> I am picking – but not amazing Spider-Man annuals. Oh, jeez. Uh, um, I am picking Sensational Spider-Man Annual Number One, also known as To Have and To Hold. That's by Matt Fraction and Salvador Larocca. Uh, you can um, find that on Marvel Unlimited, um, or I mean, it's a fairly recent comic, so you might even be able to find it in a back back issue bin somewhere. Uh, so, so tune into that because uh, it's that that was the comic that topped my uh, MJ Peter countdown on Superior Spider Talk a few weeks ago, and it's it's a favorite, Dan. Awesome. Well, uh, where can we find uh, more writing like that and your work online? Well, uh, of course, you can find all of my writing at superiorspidertalk.com or you can follow me on Twitter at ChasingASMblog. Uh, for those of you who are just getting exasperated with all of my Mets baseball talk, they're in the World Series. It's going to go on for maybe another week or two. And then you can just have me back talking comic book nerd stuff for the rest of like until like april so um, oh please you're gonna be talking about the mets until next year well and then, then then there's football and fantasy football and you know that but 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 mostly comics and you're gonna uh, get but, into a bunch of fights with alton on the internet 
Well, yes, but that's 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 just how we are. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, Jets Patriots this weekend, so Alton Alton and I will probably be sparring. So you'll you'll see that in my feed as well. So, uh, what about you, Dan? Where 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 can we find you? Well, I'm not going to be bickering about baseball, but you can follow me on Twitter at at Dan Gavazin or my Spider Man account at at Sup Spider Talk, and of course you can read all of my writing on SuperiorSpiderTalk.com and my movie reviews. I have a review of Bridge of Spies going up today, actually, um, uh, on my website GrindMyReels.com. That's the new Steven Spielberg movie. Exciting. Woo, Woo. Uh, Mark. You know what? I was thinking the other day. I can't believe that I never told you about this, but when I was in college. I don't know why this really came up because this issue has to do with diving, but I took a scuba diving class so that I could get certified to do dives. And uh, we had to pass a test at the end of the semester to prove that we knew the procedures and how to handle the equipment. And I'll never forget just how kind our instructor was. And like the other night, I was, you know, I was in a deep sleep, but I woke up with some kind of fever dream because I suddenly remembered that that instructor was none other than your Uncle Ben. Oh, my goodness. You, 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 no kidding, huh? Yeah, I didn't know, like, you know, I didn't put two and two together, you know, but yeah, your Uncle Ben was teaching me how to scuba dive, or, or at the very least, he was, he was uh, testing me on it. Okay, well, you know, I, 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 I have a story for you, Dan. Um, you, you, you know what scuba stands for, of course, right? No, I don't actually. It's you don't not, know what scuba stands for? This, this is, is like, this is not part of the test. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a, it's self-contained underwater breathing apparatus, S-C-U-B-A. Um, but, you know, Uncle Ben was actually a he, – he was a, a pioneer in scuba, um, so much so that um, they initially wanted to name it after him, and they were going to call it the, the, the Scubpa. It was going to be the self-contained other underwater uh, Ben Parker apparatus. Oh. And, and uh, even though my name isn't Parker, but he's still my uncle, okay? So, so just go with this, okay? So, um, you know, and, 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 and Uncle Ben, he's a humble guy, but he was kind of like, all right, well, um, you know, that, that, that sounds that, – let, let's do it. Um, but then when he – you know, so they were testing out the, the, the scub bar. Uh, equipment and uh, and then my uncle got swallowed by a humpback whale. Oh Jesus! <laughs> yeah, I mean they're 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 gentle giants of the ocean. Um, but, how how uh, was he testing me if he had been swallowed alive? This this happened recently. Uh, oh, just yeah. I mean, you know, no, of course it didn't happen recently. He he was in the belly of the whale, but. Um, like, uh, uh, who, who, who Geppetto? is the biblical... Geppetto? Well, Geppetto, but there's a biblical character who went into Noah. the whale, too. Um, no? Noah. Noah? No, was it Noah? I can't remember. Well, the biblical character. He got out, okay? He got out. And, and Jonah. In... Jonah, thank you. Jonah and the whale. Jonah, but it wasn't J. Jonah Jameson, okay? It was another Jonah, not related but the whole – the point being, Dan – This has been very long to get to the point. Point being, you know, it was an eye – total life-altering experience. And my, 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 my Uncle Ben was like, you can't possibly name this after me after I almost got eaten by a whale. And, you know, miracle I, I thought miracle. he did get eaten by a whale. Well, but he got out. Okay. He got out all right, like all Jonah. Right. Like Jonah, not Jonah, Jonah James. Does, does, it uh, count, does it count if you're – do you, if you're swallowed, is that eaten? Or if you, like, escape, does that not count as being eaten? I feel like you have to be digested. 
I'm the, mincing words here. What was the point? The point. So he was just like, you, no, you know, like with with great power comes great responsibility. You can't. I, I can't name this after me. But also with great podcasts must also come amazing spider talk. <laughs>